Music that stands the test of time in the city of brotherly love. Welcome to TK's A Brigade. I'm your host, TK, and we are on the music series. Recently, I reached out to an old friend. His name is Liquid Beats and asked him if he would come join me on the music series. And he said, you know. So we're going to dive into that journey right now with Beats here on TK's A Brigade. What's up, fam? TK here, and we're jumping in on a call with my man, Liquid Beats, who hails from Nashville. Uh, hit him up and said, let's get on a phone call and talk about your music, man. So, give me a second while I dial his number. Pete. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Good. How you doing, man? Everything good? Oh, you know what, man? In, in light of the uh, the ridiculous inflation and seventeen dollars a gallon of gas and nine dollars for milk, I'm doing well, man. How about you? <laughs> Same, man. Yeah. Trying not, trying not to, uh, trying to let, not let the madness of all of that keep me from going crazy. To be honest with you, man. I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you there, man. So, well, brother, you know what? I've been on the music series on my podcast now uh, for about two months, and I've got to sit down with some really cool cats. And I was looking through my phone the other day, and I, I saw your name, and I was like, I wonder if this is still his number. And so I was like, I got to reach out and just see if he'll come and share his musical journey with uh, with us. And so that's what I'm hoping we get to do tonight, man. Is just uh, kind of listen to your journey man tell me you know how you started in music and you know what you did yeah. and then what you're up to today so if, if we if you're down for that let's let's dive into that yeah let's do it man i'm down sweet so what uh where did you start with music what what got you doing music uh from was it at a young age or like let me just i'm just gonna be quiet and let you just tell the story man <coughs> all right <coughs> sorry so um yeah, man, basically, uh, I'm from, from North Philly, uh, from the streets of North Philly, and uh, my, my grandmother was raising me because my, my, my mother had actually passed away when I was 12. Okay. So, um, yeah, my, my grandmother was smart enough to, I guess, some money came in from some insurance thing or something, and my grandmother was saving that money for me. So she, she had... She had kind of mentioned it to me before. She was like, you know, when you're ready for a car, I'm going to get you a car, this and that. But I was only, at that time, I was 12 years old. So I'm like, I, I don't understand that. To me, I'm like, whoa, what, what can you buy me with that money? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I had a, I had a, a neighbor that um, his brother was selling a keyboard and <clears throat> basically ended up convincing my grandmother to buy it for me. And... Um, that's where it started, man. I was 12. I started learning how to play keys by ear because, um, you know, we couldn't afford lessons or whatever. And through time, just, you know, learning and learning little things here and there, listening. Basically, I would listen to records on the radio every day and try to figure them out. And uh, eventually that led to uh, being taught by some people here and there at school and church and stuff like that. That's pretty much how it started for me, man. That's crazy. Okay, so what artist growing up influenced you to pursue music in a more of a professional way? It, it's crazy because the thing is, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be I wanted to be an FBI agent. 
Oh wow. When I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's ambitious, my man. Oh yeah, it's ambitious for sure. I mean, I, but growing up, growing up the way that I did and seeing a lot of the stuff that I saw, I wanted to be a good guy. You know what I mean? I wanted to to figure out how I could be like an undercover cop or an agent, secret agent. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And, yeah. and um, my grandmother bought me that keyboard and it led to, I had a, my, my aunt's, my aunt, uh, her husband was actually a songwriter and he knew, he kind of knew how to make beats and he had a little setup at my aunt's house. So, um, it, you know, eventually I started getting curious about that and he would let me come up to the house and just kind of give me free reign of of the little bit of equipment he had for a few hours a week so i was doing that and that led to me convincing my grandmother to to buy me like a professional keyboard where i could actually make beats and stuff oh yeah so so i got that it was uh korg m1 was my first pro keyboard and those are nice started making yeah that was, at the time that was the one if you had that one you, you were good so <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean i um I ended up, you know, kind of just my actually my 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 aunt's husband ended up um, he ended up committing suicide and uh, well, that's deep, you know, yeah he was basically like my musical mentor so I lose my mom I lose him and then my grandmother's like all right cool I'm gonna give you this keyboard but you know it's expensive and so I just promised her that I would I would at least make enough money to make the money back so I started making beats in the neighborhood and um. My cousin, who was like my brother, me and him were real close. He started rapping, and that kind of led to me having a, a rap group that I was the producer. My cousin and our best friend from from the neighborhood was the rappers, and I made the beats, and it just kind of started going in that direction. And to get to be on the spiritual side, I was um, I was also starting to sing a little bit at church, and you know, kind of was getting attention on that. So. Um, people were, I had a couple of different people come up to me and tell me that, that basically God was going to call me into music. But, you know, when you're 16 and you hear that all the time, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? You don't think nothing of it. Right. And, and um, basically, that's, that's, I just grew as a, as not a producer, um, a beat, just a beat maker. Beat makers and producers are two different things. But I was just like a beat ma maker in, in the neighborhood that everybody knew. And then, um, I got kicked out of my house for for um for I was living with my grandma. And my uncle kicked me out of the house, so I was basically homeless. I dropped out of high school because um I met some some drug dealers in Philly, and um they was basically there was New York dudes, but they had a lot of business on the street in Philly. So I met them, and uh, they took me up to New York. I ended up with a <laughs> with an indie with an indie in-house uh, producer deal at 17. So I dropped wow. out of high school. And, and I was just living in New York four days out of the week, making a bunch of money as a 17-year-old kid. So while a lot of my homies was was selling drugs and doing all that, I was making my money selling beats in New York. Wow, <laughs> man. That's... I mean, just, just the beginning of this story, I already got goosebumps, brother, just hearing this because... I mean, you know, you you hear all these different artists that you talk to, man. Um, you know, they come up in, in, you know, different environments with different types of influence. And I'm sitting here listening to you tell this story. And I'm I'm so I'm, I'm so intrigued. I can't I just I can't imagine being 17 years old 
dropping out of high school and I mean you're in the heart of like the, the like the East Coast style beats creating music making money from doing it. like you're already professional at 17 like what, what so what what year was this going on like what uh, we're, are we in the 90s is this the 80s like this is um this is mid 90s I think I think I was I think the New York thing happened 98 okay. yeah it was like 98 I was yeah I was doing that at 98 I was actually um, it was my second senior year, so <laughs> I, I didn't graduate when I was supposed to. So I got left back in, in my second senior years when I ended up um, with that situation. But yeah, man, I was I was just a little kid. I was I was a young buck. Wow, man, that's like post Pac, yeah. post Biggie, like oh, man, like that's when the, the like that the '98 time with hip hop, man, was. That was a crazy time, and you're in the heart of it, bro. So here we are, like 98, you're 17 years old, you're making a, a truckload of money uh, making beats and doing music. So, all right, man, where, where'd you go from there? Like, what's what, what was the next uh, part of your journey, man? So, so you know, um, I had I had my group that uh, was called the Ghost Riders. It was my cousin and my man, uh, our man that we grew up with, and then we added a, a third a third guy to the group. So. Long, so so crazy story short <laughs> um you know I'm a, I'm a church kid i grew up in the church and all that but you know we kind of all step away from it sometimes i guess i mean some of us do some of us don't but yep. you know i was i was a 17 year old kid making a bunch of money and i was kicked out of my house so basically you know i started partying a little early um by the time i was 19 i was already partying and kind of you know just doing my own thing and um so basically what happened was um kind of at the height of my party and i'm probably like 20 years old at this point i was at a bar and um somebody had introduced me to this girl that that um a friend of mine was 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 uh kind of like seeing right okay so i'm like oh yeah you know nice to meet you whatever uh and we started talking and she's like yeah um i just came back from la from from uh, hanging out with this this famous producer that my buddy introduced me to, so I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, I'm just like kind of not listening to her. right, like and lip service. Says, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like, all right, cool, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I li- I live in LA in the summertime. I, you know, it wasn't impressive. And then she drops the producer's name, so Uh-oh. she did that. And this is not somebody that everybody like. People don't just talk about this producer. So I was like, all right, she she definitely knows that she's talking about. It. Right, right. So, so I'm like, I, you know, I kind of like make friends with her. I'm buying her drinks all night. And um, at the end of the night, since she was, you know, she's my buddy's lady. So it wasn't a big deal. She was like, yo, I'm um, I'm getting ready to head out. So I told, I told my cousin, like, listen, I'm going to ask her for a ride. I don't even really know her like that. Is that a problem? And he's like, nah, um, you know, Knox, our friend, he's like, Knox ain't going to care. So I asked her for a ride home. And I told my cousin, stop what you're doing. Come with me. So we get in the car with her. And the whole way, it's like a good like twenty five minutes, like a twenty five minute ride. Okay. The entire the entire way, I'm basically just softening her up to at the end ask her if she would introduce me to that to that producer because the producer's from Philly. Oh boy. Yeah. So basically, I um, I'm successful. She's like, yeah. Next time he's in town, and I'm with my friend. Um, Let's call him John. That's not his name, but let's just call him John. Sure. <laughs> She's like, next, next, next time I'm with John and this producer's in town, I'm going to call you. So the um, the thing was, 
I, I had come to New York to, I mean, I had come to Nashville to visit a friend and to work um, on a record, to produce a record for an artist out here. So while I'm out here, the girl calls me and I, and I basically tell her, yo, I can't make it, but call the guys and make sure that they meet this producer. Like, please make sure they meet. Right, like so connected, they, yeah. Right, right. So I can't be there, unfortunately, but please, like, keep your promise and introduce the guys to that producer. So they do, she does, and within, like, a day, they spent the whole day together, and next thing you know, I'm getting phone calls, like, yo, this dude just offered us a deal. Wow, and from one day? Yeah, they hung oh. out with him all day. But Yeah, it was supposed to be, like, a 10-minute thing, but I guess what happened was, I wasn't there, but as the story goes, they got in his car, they put on, um, they put on one of the songs that we had done, and he was like, cool, um, here, let me put on one of my beats, and then basically just rap. So he put on a, a, a couple of his beats, and yeah, like, it was supposed to be a 10-minute meeting, and, and at 3 in the morning, they was, they was just leaving the studio at like 3 a.m., so they was with him all day. And uh, yeah, and then that's how that, that's how they went. So I went from, um, I went back to Philly, and then from there I went to LA because that's where the guys were at. Um, that, but then that situation started not panning out because, uh, you know, for several reasons. Thank God, by the way. So um, I ended up meeting my wife in LA when I was living out there. But um, she, her, uh, her aunt and uncle who basically raised her, they live in Martha's Vineyard. So she's like, look, you know, on the first date she told me straight up, like, I think I'm gonna go to to, to Massachusetts, this and that. So. Basically, I went back to Philly, she went to Massachusetts, and we kept it going, but um, when I was back in Philly, I ended up uh, getting my first major record label um, project, and that was with a guy named Petey Pablo. So, did the Petey Pablo record in New York, because remember, I still had ties in New York from when I had that first deal. Right, right. And then, um, I was still partying at that time. I was at that time like i started smoking weed when i had 20. so at okay. that point i'm basically you know partying i got i gotten paid 10 grand cash from arista records for the pd pablo thing so you know i'm just like being a kid making money you're just living it up and yeah being crazy and then um my brother uh my brother chico he's my brother from another mother we grew up together <laughs> love it he had got me out here. He was he was out here in Nashville working with a with a Goatee Records, who's owned by Toby McKeon and um, Joey Elwood. So, you know, yeah. So yeah. basically, um, yeah. So he called me one day because I sent him a CD with some demos that I'm singing on, and I, I just made a couple beats. And in between sessions, I would just record stuff for fun. So he calls me. He's like, "Yo." Um, I played these songs for Joey Elwood and he wanna know if he wanna deal like out of nowhere. Like Whoa. Like Yeah, and I'm bro, I was I was I was getting high while he was on the phone, I was smoking. You was smoking while he was talking, man. Like oh wow. Yeah, so I basically was like, bro, look, and, and he didn't know that I was doing all that. This is my big brother, so it would have would I would have been ashamed if he would have known that I was doing all that. But um basically I was like, look, bro. I ain't living right, and I don't feel right, you know, putting myself in that position. It, it wouldn't be fair to, to to God, to anybody. So he said, I'm, I'll tell you what, man, I'm gonna call you tomorrow, 
And when I call you tomorrow, whatever your answer is, that's what I'm gonna tell them. So anyway, I hang the phone up and I'm with my man um, that I grew up with, Andy. And um, Andy basically, the crazy thing is like months leading up to that phone call, um, we had a group of 10 guys who were super close and, and that we all grew up together. So bar fights, partying, girl, all that, like we was doing it to, like brothers, 10, 10 brothers, thick as deep. So around that time, the group started breaking up because um, one of the, the, the members in the group started basically trying to get me and my cousin cut out of that deal, the deal um, in LA. So um, my man Andy had told me one night, like, yo, God been talking to me in dreams and we had this deep conversation about God. But I'm like, bro, we getting high, what you mean? Like, God don't got no nothing for us. Now why are we doing this? And he like, bro, I'm telling you right now, God told me in a dream, everything was gonna change. So be ready for that. Right? Wow. So then that night, the night that, that the phone call comes from, from Goatee Records, I hang up and I'm we literally sitting there pass, passing the L, just talking, laughing. And he's like, yo, um, who was that? And I said, oh, it was uh, Chico, you know, Goatee. How crazy is that? They just offered me a deal from listening to two demos. Two demo so, songs and you get offered a deal, bro. That is like unheard of, right? I mean, is that normal? Nah, I don't nah. know. I, don't, I can't. Nah, and the beautiful thing is like, even to this day, when I tell that story, is like, I, that story is the is the prime example why I can't take credit for anything I've done. Right. At all. Right. Because... That's a God thing, you know what I mean? Sure, on top yeah, of that, for sure. Trav, those demos, bro, it was one-take demos, like, joking around. It wasn't even nothing serious. Like, not mastered or so, nothing. Like, you just was in the studio. You was like, let's just kick this beat and let's flow and sing. And and then you were like, hey, check it out. And he was like, bro, let's go. Let's put a, a full it. record together. I promise you, bro. Listen. I believe you, man. I'm just like, I'm sitting here just like trying to picture because <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, bro, like I, I've talked to so many artists over the years. Right. And, you know, and, and with all due respect to the situation, like most people have to put out two, three, four, five records, man. And they got to tour like the circuit and they, you know, they got to do all this stuff. And, and granted, you know, based on what you've already said, like you were already in the scene, you were already doing it. But like for somebody who's never even met you in person to hear two demos and say, look, I'm going to I'm going to give you a bunch of money to come to Nashville and record a record. And then we're going to put you on tour and you're going to go start performing this record pretty much. Right. Well, so I'm 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 gonna get you there. I'm gonna get. Yeah, oh boy. Right? Okay. I'm sorry, man. No, 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 no. You good? I'm glad. This is a good conversation, and it's bugging me out because I haven't told the story in a while. So every time I tell the story, it it freaks me out. So so basically, Andy ends up cursing me out. Goes off on me, standing up, yelling at me. I'm like, Yo, what you? What are you doing? Like I'm thinking we're getting ready to fight, like like fist fight. So finally he calmed down. He's like, yo, didn't I tell you that God told me everything was about to change? Yo, my whole high went away when he said. Like you got like, sober like, like real quick. Bro, I promise you, in a, in a tenth of a second, I was like, oh my God, you did say that. And he's like, bro, I keep telling you, stop playing with me. I keep telling you God is about to change. Everything's about to change, blah, blah. And then as he's, as he's basically rebuking me, I start getting reminders of all the people that when I was a kid was telling me when God calls you say yes when God calls you say yeah that was I'm talking about five different people told me the same exact line like wow. people that don't even know each other right telling me the same exact line same so, God though man 
Yeah, same. That's what I'm saying. So the same guy. So, so basically, the next day, my brother calls again, and he's like, "Yo, what's up? Like, what you want to do?" And I said, "Look, man, here's the deal, bro. The answer is yes, but here's the thing." And then I basically everything that I that I was ashamed to admit to him because he was my big brother. I basically told him like, "Yo, look, man, I've been I'm drinking in my party, and I've been I was smoking weed last night when you called." He's like, "Yeah, I know." He told me just like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, he, just, he just put you on blast, like, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, who, who told? Somebody told you? He like, bro. He said, "Listen, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I know everything you be out there doing in the street. I got spies. So I'm so of course I'm embarrassed, but I'm like, all right, cool. So here's the thing." I, this is where I'm at. Like, I can't take no Christian deal. He said, look, dude, let's do this, man. I'm going to go ahead and tell them, yeah, if you promise me right now that, that you done with all that. And I'm like, bro, last night, my high, like, in the snap of a finger, it went away, and I'm not I'm not touching any of that. He said, all right, cool. So he wow. went back and he told Joey, he told Joey, yeah, he's down. So here's what happened. It took a whole year for them to call me. After this initial phone call. Yeah, so it went from like, wow. yo, we need you to be here tomorrow to, I don't hear nothing for a year. For an entire year, <laughs> man? Whoa. An entire year, like 11 months. So so, the, so what happens is I end up going back to Nashville to produce a song for, I believe it was, it was the Verbs record. I love Verbs, so, man. Know the Verbs, baby? That, yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, I think it was, oh, the record, the album was called Unlocked, that record. So um, I think I did like three songs on that record. So I come I come out here to do the songs, and I'm at the goatee offices, and I had already met Joey because I had been to Nashville before. But this time, there's a deal, but like, it was, that was pre-deal, this is now post so he sees me. He's like, hey, man, what's up? What you doing right now? I'm like, I'm I'm just here. We're waiting to whatever. And he said, all right, come to lunch with me. So the A&R get up. My brother get up. He like, no, 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 just me and him. So, <laughs> so me and this dude go to lunch. And he basically straight up was like, yo, so, yo, I thought you said you wanted to do, like, do a record. And I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> and he's like, I'm waiting on you. You're like, a, yeah, wait a minute. Hold on. Time out, time out. So you get a phone call, you get a deal over the phone, you get offered a deal over the phone from two demo songs. You're like, I don't know if I can do this, man. I'm 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 too busy living life in the world. And and then you you get through the process. I mean, you're hearing these things that uh, God is sending through different people. You go an entire year, you end up in Nashville, which is where you were like when they offered you this deal, they basically wanted you to come to Nashville and do it. You're in Nashville, you're working with verbs. Shout out to Verbs, love Verbs, and and then now you're sitting down with and you're sitting down and you're talking about this situation that happened a year prior, and you're like, I thought you wanted to make a record. They say, Yeah, we do. We thought you wanted to too. And so, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just I wanted to wrap my brain around it, man. Yeah. So, but but what I did was in that year, Trav, I ain't touched nothing. I was clean in a whole for the whole year. Wow. The whole year, I stayed off of it because I was like, Yo. This ain't over. I know this ain't over. Something. This didn't happen for a reason. And then my friend Andy, of course, me and him. At, oh, and then in that process, that group, the whole group break up. Okay. Wow. And, and in a so year time, it broke up. The group just disbanded, basically. And a year time, it went from 10 thickest D's to six, 
six people went one way and four people went the other way. Wow. So, so, but I was thinking in that whole time, and of course, Andy was constantly like, yo, bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God didn't lie to me, try just hold, let's just, so he, he even stopped smoking, and he was like the one that, he was the one that got everybody smoking. You know what I mean? So, okay, so he lead by example, basically. Right, right. So he he started going to school. He was seeing a girl. He never had a girl like a steady girlfriend. So he got a steady girl. Like, bro, we changed our lives, bro. Okay. So so it turns out that they were waiting on me, and I was waiting on them. It was a whole miscommunication. So here's the crazy part, right? Yeah. He's like, all right, cool, man. Um, so he thought. He, he actually, what he had told my brother was, does he want a publishing deal? He didn't say record deal, right? So I ended up finding out at that lunch, he's like, oh, nah, nah, okay, it's a publishing deal, but still, do you still want to do it? And I said, look, man, here's the deal, bro. I would love a publishing deal, but if I'm going to make a record for you, because what he was saying was, let's make a record, and we're going to take that record and pitch it to TV and film. So I'm like, look, bro. I respect that. I love that idea. But if I'm going to make a record, I want to tour. I want to do this, that. And he didn't blink. He was like, done. Literally, he just said, done. Whatever you want to do, bro, let's do it. So we get in the car. We go back to Goatee. And I'm going back into my brother's office. And he's like, yo, come with me. Come with me. Come on. Come on. So I'm basically speed walking with him to the back of the offices. He take me in the A&R room. He's like, yo, um. I need a deal for Pete on the table. He's leaving in two days. I need it on the table like tomorrow. And wow. that was it. Wow. Now, what year is this? This is, um, I want to say is, is, um, Oh two. Okay. 2002. You're in Nashville getting ready to sign a deal with goatee records, Toby and, and Joey, the goatee brothers. You've been working yeah. with verbs you 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 spent the last previous what ten years up in New York and Philly and like writing beats and recording and working with different artists and and meeting people and traveling around and now you are here we are two thousand two in Nashville you're getting ready to record an album because friends and family told you that ever since you was a little kid that when God called you that you needed to step up and go and here you are yeah wow. All right, man. I had to turn down a I turned down a Buster Rhymes record because the day I was flying out, I got a call from New York again, like, yo, um, Buster Rhymes wants this beat. Can you make it today? And I was like, bro, I'm leaving for Nashville. Oh wow. Oh but man. again, I I believe I was like, yo, I believe that I'm supposed to go to Nashville. You know what I mean? And everybody was like, Bro, you're crazy. This is like this is the next step in your evolution with New York and all that. I'm like, but I gotta go to. I'm supposed to go to Nashville, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here we are, right. 2002, and you're getting. So you you sign the deal, and and then the process begins with working on a record with Goatee. Uh huh. Yeah, and I was producing stuff for a bunch of my label mates, so. So and that was cool. Was that, uh, so I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just looking back. So at that time you had what? You had Ruben on the label. You had Grits. Um, you had Burbs. Uh, was Jennifer Knapp on the label at the time? She was. Yeah. Um, yep, out, of, out of Eden. Out of Eden. Yeah, man. Um, uh, what's the name of that rock? I forget the name of that rock, man, again. Um, 
my man that was dating Katy Perry. What's the name of that band? Oh, P.O.D. Uh, nah, not P.O.D. Oh, not P.O.D. No, no. Oh, okay. I don't know, they were, man. They were a goat, a goatee band. I, I the Katinas. No. The Katinas. The Katinas were on the label. Yeah. Um, Family Force Five actually signed their deal like six months after I signed mine. Yeah, because while I was working on my record, um, Family Force Five signed, and they also signed uh, Aisha Woods. And a oh bunch man, of yes. Uh, who was uh, yeah. who was that artist on the label that was? Um, I think they she was on the UA, she was on the art of translation, but she was a goatee artist too. Um, she sang on that. Oh, I don't, I, I don't remember. But man, the, okay, sidebar. Dude, when goatee when when goatee started, bro, like when so DC Talk was doing their thing, and you know, and and Bone and Coffee were were dancing with you know with, with the boys and stuff, and and then you know Joey and Toby signed Grits to their first deal, and you know all that started to happen, and you know Toby and and Joey started doing the Goatee Brother thing, and then here you are, two thousand two, bro doing uh, your album so okay so you record the record and then did they put you on tour right away what was uh what was the plan for that next step was they was trying to figure that out and um the the thing i was having issues with that album because that album was i'll put it to you in the words of of a very well-known christian artist that that i ended up running touring with for a while he told me he said look bro I love your album, but it's too honest for this industry. Nobody is ready for a record like that. So when, when they tried to book me, like, you know, they did um, showcases and booking people came out and the, the show was dope. And the, the only thing people kept saying was like, yo, y'all got a problem because, again, the Christian industries is not ready for this type of record. We love the record, but... We got to figure out what we're going to do. So what ended up happening was um, my A&R guy was good friends with uh, KJ52's manager. Oh, yeah. I love so, KJ, man. Jonas, for sure. Yeah, so the plan was basically, look, man, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you, if you're interested, we're going to put you on the road with um, KJ. Um, are you interested in playing keys for KJ? And then KJ will let you do one song like on his set so that was the that was the um initial idea right so at first i was like yeah you know what i mean whatever i'll do it and um so i was doing that and then dj madge um uh ended up calling me one day and was like yo i'm i'm because you know madge used to have a little radio show right right i remember that back in the day yeah it was called oh virtual frequency is what it was called okay and this is in nashville right Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 it yeah. was like a, it was like an internet. I want to say it was like an internet radio show or something. So anyway, so Mads is like, "Yo, why don't you come out on this virtual frequency tour?" So I was out with KJ for a while, and then with Madge, what we did was, Madge was like, "Look, why don't you? We put one band together. Um, you come out as you, like Liquid, and um, you use the band. I use the band, but you, but when I, when it's my turn, because you know Madge with the closer, when it's my turn." you got to play keys for me. So you get to tour with me, you get to do 20 minutes, but then you got to be my MD. So I was like, beautiful, perfect. Yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> so I was I was doing that tour and I was running around with KJ simultaneously, like back and forth. You know what I mean? So I was doing that for a while and then um, the, 
not the Katinas, uh, what's the, oh, Salvador, right? So, oh, yeah. Salvador um, ended up needing an opener. So, it was a beautiful thing because all they wanted was they just wanted me to pay for my bunk on the on the tour bus for me and my band. So, my guy, cool. So, I was like, I'll, I'll go out on that tour, but I'm not going without a band because I'm not going to go embarrass myself. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know if, I don't know if you ever seen Salvador. They're, that's that's a show. Yeah, they put on a good show, you know man, I mean? for sure. Yeah, so so they ended up um, making that happen. So I went out with Salvador. I had a full band. I did that for about 30 dates. And then I just went back to running around. Bro, I toured with KJ and Madge a lot. Love those guys, man. A lot, yeah. Got to tour with... Um, Super Chick and Natalie uh, Grant and all these people, so it was cool. But yeah, that's how they did it. They basically the plan was you're gonna go be um, a keyboard player for a bunch of these artists, and then they're gonna allow you to to do a song or two. So that's how I ended up um, getting bypassing the issue of you know, oh, uh, you know, your record is too blah 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 or whatever. And the crazy thing is, I was in, we were in. Um, was in Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska is the Cornhuskers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. That's how I remember. That's how I remember that city because the whole time we were there, people were, it, everything was Cornhuskers. So, dude, some lady comes up to me that my album's not even out yet. It was only pre-released, right? So, um, I basically told Goatee, like, look, man, I need to make money if I'm gonna be on the road. So, can I sell? Can y'all just give me some pre-releases for me to sell, kind of like as a Kickstarter? So they gave me like a couple hundred pre-releases and I was selling those on the road when I was with KJ. Some lady comes up to me in Nebraska, bro, crying. Some just, I'm saying white lady because she was a white lady. <laughs> what is the Midwest, and, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying white lady because the thing is, I was being told like, yo, this just to show you how, how much the Christian industry is just like the regular, you know, the general market. Right. Basically was like, yo, white people not gonna buy this regular. That's what I was being told. Basically. So this lady comes up to me, tears in her eyes, and she says, um, hey, my name is so-and-so. I had no idea you were going to be here. So I look at her. I'm like, what is she talking about? And she says, my brother um, is in jail, and somebody got him a pre-release of your album. So I pick it up, and I'm like, this one. She goes, yes, I could name every song on that album. And she starts naming the song. Wow. So I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, my brother's in jail for double murder. This is what she tells me. Wow. And she's saying yeah, that your so your music was just inspiring her so much to, that it brought her to tears, basically. Bro, she took, no, what she was telling me was that her brother was listening to that pre-release in jail. Oh, dude, that's even deeper, bro. On, on death row, my guy, like double murder type stuff. Man, that's deep. Yeah, and to this day, I can't even tell you how in the world that could have happened. Who in the world could have got a copy of that pre-release? And it was the weirdest thing. So actually, my man, um, Rich Gilliland, who played bass for um, for KJ and a bunch of other uh, artists, he he was standing there with me. So I looked at him and I said, and I said yo, you know what's crazy, man? Um, all these people telling me that my record's too honest and that white people won't buy my record. Look at that. And dude, he was standing there with his mouth wide open. He couldn't, he couldn't talk. He couldn't believe it. Wow. It was that crazy. So, so basically, at that point, I was like, you know what, God? If all you brought me out to Nashville for 
was for me to for me to hear that something I did is in a death row cell. I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so recapping, right? You're you grew up in Philadelphia. You you move to New York and you start making beats. You start making music. You start getting successful in that area. You realize that the world is pretty fun, man, at that, you know, 19, 20 year old age. And, uh, you know, you start diving into that scene, the party scene. Because let's be honest, bro, dude, I grew up in a church too. And, you know, some things happened. And I hate to use the term church hurt, but, you know, kind of happened that way. Um, and I grew up on the Christian music as well. I mean, I grew up on Toby, Mike, and Kevin, and the Newsboys, and Petra, and, you know, um, PID, and ETW, all them cats. And, uh, you know, and then I got into my early teens and 20s, bro, and started listening to worldly music. You know, like, Pac was a huge, big deal for me. And, I mean, Busta, you say Busta, and, you know, like, you know, Biggie, all them cats, man. And obviously, you know, you being successful in the music scene, and God's like, okay, now the season's changing, and I'm going to take you uh, to the heart of Christian music, which is in Nashville. You get signed to a label. You're touring around with KJ, dude. I love Jonas, man. That dude is just that dude is. Oh, I, I, he's so humble. Every time I've ever met that guy, when you know at shows and whatnot over the years, and got to sit with and just chat with him, and same with Maz, dude. Like just humble easy cats you know and uh i mean even when i got to meet you bro for the first time officially and i had no idea who you were i just knew you took photos man i don't know if you remember that oh yeah that's right that's right because i was shooting some stuff for for behavior yeah man i don't i don't know if you remember the whole how it kind of all went down that day but i want to get to that point so you're here you are you're recording records man on goatee you're touring the world and okay at what point like when did it when did you have another like significant change in your in your career um so so basically just to fast forward like significant change in terms of what because that's a loaded question well okay so i mean so you know typically and i'm I'm no expert but typically like when you sign a deal don't you sign it sign a deal with like two or three records like you do a record you go on tour you go back in studio you do another record you go on tour kind of thing or it was this different is this a different kind of deal all right so i'm 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 so glad you brought that up because i skipped it thinking i shouldn't say but i i did need to talk about it so um so so when i get the contract right when I get the contract, it's a one plus three. So that means one that's one guarantee album and then the three are optional, right? Right. That so so basically if they decide not to pick up those options, somebody gotta come and buy those records off me or or basically they own my contract and they own it. So I was like, look, um the next day, Travis, I had um, that deal is literally on a desk in in the prayer room, I mean in the um in the meeting room at GoT. So looking through the deal, I ain't even have a lawyer look at it yet. So I'm looking through it and I'm like, oh, all right, listen, man, here's, here's the other, here's the one thing I'm asking. I don't want to owe nobody no records. There's got to be a one plus nothing, like a one plus one, or or that's it, or or just a one, you know, one hit a quitter. And they were like, all right, well, look, man, that's kind of not really something we do, but. You know, we're in Joey and Joey's a great dude, man. I can't I can't I can honestly say that at no point in time did I feel like he was trying to get over on me. He was just like, Cool, you know what, man? 
I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate that even what you said to me at lunch yesterday about, you know, he said most people around here would have been, you know, beyond excited that they were being offered a deal and you basically came out and said, look, this is what I want. You know what I mean? So basically, they gave me a one plus one. Okay. Now what happened? What happened was when I made, when we finished that record, and um, I was already on the road and everything. Uh, somebody at EMI, because at the time um, Goatee had sold part of Goatee to EMI, so somebody at EMI had heard a, uh, one of the um, songs on the album is in Spanish. Okay. So they heard they heard that that song and they were like, wait a minute, this is. We need to, this is a general market record, which is what everybody was saying anyway. So they took it to EMI Latin, which is, you know, obviously a general market. So EMI Latin, the guy, the guy at EMI Latin's like, hey, um, cut this dude a check, tell him to make the Spanish record, we picking it up. We, we, we don't even want to listen to it. It's crazy, bro. So again, I'm like, yo, what is, like, God, what, what in the world is this? Like, I'm literally just, like, falling into deals. It's crazy. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean... Really, <laughs> wow. I, like, literally. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure somebody gonna listen to this and be like, bro, this guy's full of it, but I promise you. Oh no! It went down. Oh, I believe, so, I do. That's the, that's real quick, real quick. That that's the best part of doing these interviews or doing these conversations is that, bro. You know, the, the few people that I've gotten to chat with so far that I haven't even released on you know their episode yet, the stories are so crazy. But that's the best part about this is that that's your life, man. That's what you've gotten to experience, and that's the reason why. I want to do this and I want to hear this because, you know, like you said, you're just getting deals left and right, man. And I mean, and people are like, yeah, right. But, but that was your life and that's your life. So continue. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. So we make, so I made the Spanish album and I turn it in and the, literally the day that I turned the album in and this is like basically industry wide news, EMI fires like, like 2,000 people Whoa. that day. Yeah, and one of them was the A&R from EM, from EMI Latin. So, of course, when my manager gets back with EMI Latin, like, hey, record's done, here we go. When, um, you know, when we're going to book this meeting for the listening, they're like, oh, um, the A&R got fired. And he's like, okay, so who's the contact now? And basically, they were like, bro, I'm sorry, but this week, we, we not spending no money, we not doing nothing. So, basically... That record got shelved, but that was my plus one. Oh, so you so, fulfilled the contract. Right. So my contract with Goatee was fulfilled. So basically, when it was time to go, I was like, all right, peace. That was it. There was no problem, no argument, no nothing. Thank God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They wow. were trying. They, they tried. Like, when basically, when everything went, when, when it was, when it, the whole thing was over. Um, I'm not gonna name no names, but somebody over there that's in power tried like to like basically be like, all right, well, you finished the albums, but the thing is, I had a publishing deal with them too. So it wasn't just you music; you were getting your publishing rights as well. Right. So I owned my publishing deal with them. Um, this is when I'm like a year into being there, and I'm finishing up my album. They had a they had started a publishing company called Emac. Yep. And um they were like, yo, so you know, are you interested in a publishing deal since that's originally what this was supposed to be? Right. So I'm like, 
So I'm like, yeah, but it got me. Like, what did that entail? So anyway, basically, I ended up with a publishing deal. It ended up being a, it was a, um, it was a, a 75-25. Basically, they own 75% of the publishing. I own the other 25. And then that was um, for two years. And then when we renegotiated, I told them 50-50 or boys, it's nothing. So um, the guy that was the, the president of the publishing company, Mike, he, he loved everything I did. So he was like, yo, they're not going to do 50-50, but we just going to do it. So we did it. So we had it. So it was a 50-50 for the Spanish record. Wow, which is so unheard like that, of, right? I, That's unheard of to do a 50-50 deal? It's, it's unheard of unless you've got bargaining chips. Okay. Unless you're like, like if you're like a multi-platinum, multi-Grammy winning artist, like... I mean, in reality, right? Like, if you have something as leverage, then you can say, hey, this is what I bring to the table. And, and they say, okay. But, like, in this for a situation with you, like, I mean, you're a successful artist, yet 50-50 deals, from what I've heard and learned, is those are really hard to come by. Really hard to come by. And they don't happen often. Listen, whether it's Christian music or general market music, it's a business, and them record labels want to own as much of you as they possibly can. Oh, yeah. So the thing was, when I did the, the, the first um, round that I did with them, the first two years, oh, and then that's the other thing. So the other thing is that normally publishing deals, those are those are not two-year deals. You see what I'm saying? They right, right. Even, so, and there's a quota, like, yo, you got to turn in 25 songs in this amount of time. I didn't have no quota. It was just like, yo, whenever you feel like turning records in or whenever you're working on records, just know that we own 75% of your publishing. And I did that at first because I was like, somebody gave me the speech like, oh, you got to pay your dues. So I was paying my dues. But on the second round, um, you know, I, and, and that's not me saying that like I'm a master um, negotiator. I just was straight up and I was like, look, man, I'm not about to have you owning more more of a song that I wrote than me and y'all just sitting here basically collecting checks is not happening <laughs> right luckily, I'm, with you, bro. Luckily, oh, I'm with you yeah like luckily the guy that was the president of the company he he was he was uh, um he was uh, he had my back like, he was like yo bro I believe in you bro like I'm gonna make sure that this is right now when somebody at a record label is telling you I'm gonna do right by you that's you gotta wonder, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I said honesty, though, you know. Yeah, that's big. Now, now he could have came back and said, "Bro, you you are a nobody here," and he would have been right. But I would have been like, "Cool, then I'm, I'm I'll just be a nobody because I'm not gonna have you owning, you know, my stuff." So, so yeah. So I basically the only thing I had left um, on the contract with them after everything finished up, let's just say. Um, uh, I had like, I had, since I had renewed, I still had like a year and a half left. So then my man, the guy that's the president of of the, the publishing company, he leaves, he gets married and goes to LA and I think ends up working for, I can't remember, he ended up working for some big shoe designer or something. So he left Nashville and, um, and then another guy became the president. So I was turning music into him and he wasn't, he wasn't registering the music, which means that that music if he not registering it, then basically that music belongs to me because, you know what I'm saying? So all I did was I stashed, I stashed the songs away and one day I was in a room and I had just brought him a, a CD with like 
15 songs and like three or four of them I had written with um, Lisa from Out of Eden and all these people. So he in the room talking about how he needed songs that like, yo, I need a song like this. I need a song like that. And I'm sitting there basically like with my face, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just gave I just gave this dude a CD and <laughs> he literally is describing five of the, you know, 15 songs that was on that CD. And he hadn't even heard it yet is what you're saying. Right. He had the CD for like a week. Oh, okay. And oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm in the. I just happen to be in the office, and so I start figuring out, like, yo, this dude playing games. He not even. He not even pushing this stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? He not doing that. So anyway, um, I had like six months left on my deal, and I went in. He called me in for a meeting, and he was like, "Hey, man, look. So I just want to talk to you about, you know, renewing your contract." And I'm la- I literally, I start laughing. So he's like, um, we're not going to renew your contract. And I, and I keep laughing. So I'm thinking, so I think that he thought that I was laughing because I was getting the new deal. Okay. And I, I was laughing because I was glad. Because I didn't have to tell him, I didn't have to tell him what I wanted to tell him. <laughs> right, so, right. So he's like, so, you know, like, basically when... You got like five and a half months left when it's over, it's over. And I'm laughing, bro. I'm like giggling, laughing like a little girl, bro. Right. And he's like, so he's kind of like confused. So I said, all right, let me ask you a question. I said, first of all, I came in here to tell you that I'm done with y'all. So if you want to, if you want to cancel the deal now, we can cancel it. But let me ask you a question. I said, why wouldn't you renew my contract? And his his response was, well, uh, I feel that you're not really a songwriter. You're more like a beat maker kind of guy. Now, mind you, I had just finished producing a song like where I wrote all the string parts. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, matter of fact, matter of fact, um, I don't know if did you ever hear uh, the DC Talk um, tribute album that Goatee did? Bro, it's called um, it was called Freak. Bro, you remixed and redid. Um, don't tell me the song. Just forgive it. Uh, 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 yes. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Because I was singing it the other day, and I was I was trying to find it on YouTube. Um, um, what's the song called? Um, um, what if we? What Self indulgent yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Yes, dude. Right. I, I when you know what? Okay, so quick caveat to that. And I don't mean to cut you off, but I got to tell you, bro. When you told me who you were in Nashville in 2013, bro, we're sitting backstage at the, the Bridgestone Arena. Uh, winter Jam. There's 10 bands. We're there. We've been there all day since 7 a.m. that morning. We're sitting there leaning against the wall, bro. We've been shooting film and shooting pictures. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm enjoying your company. And I don't, I have no idea who you are. In, in regards to music, right? I just thought you were a, a talented, awesome, cool cat that's shooting pictures, right? And I'm like, I remember, and I was telling my son this, I was like, man, so I'm sitting with this cat, right? And there's people are milling around, you know, like families around, and I said, so I asked you, I said, what, uh, so what do you do besides, you know, photos? And you just kind of chuckle, and you say, man, I was an artist, and I'm like, oh, really, what, what, what's your name, what's your stage name? And you're like, Liquid Beats. I was like, what, bro? Like you did the remix, like the remix for DC Talk, and you're like, yeah, that's one of among like many that I've done. But like yeah. that song, bro, and and I remember I had it on my playlist for like two years after that, 
And I, whenever I would go to the gym and I would cool down, I would listen to that song. And it's kind of like, it's almost like an extended version of that song. Cause there's like, there's like two instrumentals that are like extended in that song. And it's got this sick, like up tempo. It's, it's more of a funky, like it seemed like more of a funkier beat than the original, but bro, you killed that song. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm fanboying out a little bit, man. I'm sorry, bro. So <laughs> continue, man. Cause uh, I'm so intrigued, man. I, oh man, I, I want to hear more. So. So, so, um, so yeah, so he tells me basically like, you're more like a beat maker, blah, blah. And this is, this is like two weeks after I did what did we become and bro, like if you listen, listen, next time you listen to it, bro, there's strings. I put strings on like live strings. I wrote all the string parts. I did everything from scratch. I went to St. Louis to cut strings, to cut drums, all this stuff. Right. Right. So. He tells me that he basically tells me like, yo, you're a programmer, you're not really a songwriter, this and that. And I start laughing again. I'm like, bro, you were in the room a few days ago listening to What Have We Become? And so basically the, the guy that was in on that record, Brad, I brought him the song and I said, Brad, I was nervous. I'll be honest with you, I was real nervous. And I was like, Brad, look, man, this is what I got, bro. If you want me to do something different, you know, tell me, but basically I, I spent 90% of the money. I didn't keep much of the money. I spent it making sure that this that this thing sounds crazy. So he listens to it and he says, he says, Pete, he says, leave this CD with me. I'm about to make eight copies of this and send it to everybody that's on this record and tell them this is what this, this, this is what we need. This is what the album needs to sound. This is what he tells me. Right? Oh, wow. Now the same guy that tells me that I'm not a songwriter and that I, I'm basically just a programmer, he's sitting in a room going, "Yeah, I know, right?" Like agreeing. <laughs> right. So I tell him. So fast forward to the day I'm with him. I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's really funny to me, bro. Like you literally stood in front of me while while Brad was saying what he was saying about this album and the live strings and this and that, and you was agreeing. And now you telling me this. So I said, the reason why I'm laughing is because. Since I met you, I had a I had a feeling that I knew who you was, and you basically just confirmed. So, what I ended up telling them was like, "Yo, don't worry about the six. Like when the six months is up, I'm gonna come in with a smile and sign whatever releases because I don't, you know, whatever." So for them six months, I didn't churn in songs or nothing because, again, I had figured out that he wasn't registering any of the songs. So basically, he was doing bad business, even for it, for company because really them songs could have been placed and money could have been generated but because he didn't like what I ended up finding out later that he didn't like me so that's why none of my stuff was being registered or pitched and, so um, are you saying he didn't like you as like a person or he didn't like you as an artist what I was told by a very reliable source that was around this guy every day was basically he don't like you bro and he don't and he don't want to tell you but basically he he went and got in somebody's ear over there and i said bro i don't care honestly i don't i just want them to like cool just like pay me my money leave me alone and, and as soon let as, me work yeah as soon as, yeah i said as soon as as soon as the um as soon as we release from that deal cool i'm like bro i'm gonna be happy so that was the turning point for me was just like after that i was i was good I just left. It wasn't um. It wasn't nothing like bad in terms of like 
you know, it was just little stuff, like stuff that that I was noticing all over, all over um, that industry that wasn't no different than like when I was dealing with people in LA and New York. If right. anything, it was worse. Because I was realizing like, yo, these people, they worse, they worse than the general market. Like a lot of the stuff they doing ain't even, I don't even understand how these people could, could, could run around saying that they Christians when this is what they doing, so. And obviously, I don't want to. I don't want to take the conversation there, but just I'm just being honest. Well, can I? Can I just? Can I just? Just a ten second caveat to that, bro, because I've done security um, in the Christian in the secular scene since I was 12 years old. I'm 43, and uh, and I, again, I won't drop names. And I I'm, I know we're not here to you know we're not trying to bash anybody or say anything negative per se. However, I will say this in all honesty. I have met dozens of artists, um, Christian artists, and I've met dozens of secular artists. And the unfortunate aspect of meeting both is that the expectation of the worldly secular artists is that they're arrogant, narcissistic, you know, pompous, you know, you know, that, they don't, you know, you can't look at them kind of a, a situation, right? And I hate to admit this, but that type of interaction I dealt with more in the Christian scene than I ever did in the secular scene. And it always blew my mind that, you know, and not every artist on both sides, but it always blew my mind how, you know, here you are, God's given you a platform to go and provide, you know, you know, an opportunity of hope and, you know, bring some people into to the fold. And it seems like it's it's flipped because, in, you know, and I won't drop names in the secular, but I work with some, you know, and I guarantee you the names that I would tell you, like, are, you know, mainstream huge artists that were more Christ-like than a lot of the Christian artists that I worked with. And it was, it's, you know, and again, I don't say on both sides that, you know, everybody in the Christian industry is like that and everybody in the secular is super nice, but I, I noticed over the years doing security and working around those people that unfortunately yeah man that's you know and but you know here's the thing peter and i think this is honestly like when you you know the expectation of the christian industry is that and 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 you obviously probably know this not probably i guarantee you know this way more than i do but you know the expectation is that you know christian artists are supposed to be a certain way and then you know the expectation of a worldly artist is like oh if they smoke weed or if they do you know drugs or you know if they're you know moving around you know in the with the girls or the guys or whatever like that's expected but if you you know see any of that going on on the christian side like what are you doing kind of thing but in reality like we're all human beings right and you know what what have we become like that's such uh oh dude what have we become bro like oh my gosh i mean so anyways so here you are so real quick recap talking to pak liquid beats my man known him for uh oh man 10 years now met pete in nashville um i was working for b haley and um we got to do a photo shoot all day um in nashville and then i got to break bread with you that night and you know what's funny pete is you know you say joey elwood and toby mack dude and toby toby michael kevin mckeon bro like dude come on like i 11 years old bro girl a new thing was my was my jam like to where i had to buy the tape four times and then you know free at last and then you know jesus freak and then supernatural you know and then toby goes his own way and you know mike and kevin they do their own thing and so here we are 2013 right and I'm, I'm i'm not trying to cut off your story but bro you know there was a food there's a vip room with food 
and then there was the tour food, right? Yeah. And you're sitting there telling me about being on goatee, and you're telling me, and and I, I would like to get. I don't want to. I don't want to tell that story because you were you were doing your thing with music, and then you tell me this story about how it significantly changed for you. You were overseas somewhere. I don't know if you remember the story that you told me. I mean, I'm sure you do, but you were overseas and you said God spoke to you and said you need to go home. So have we gotten there in the, in the story? Are you still like, are you still like playing 275 shows a year and, you know, living on tour buses? Have we gotten there yet in the story, man? Am I, am I jumping too far ahead? So we are actually right there. So oh my gosh, I'm man! At, dude, so I'm glad you brought. Dude, that's crazy. You remember me telling you that, bro? I, dude, I remember like so. Funny story. If you listen to my my older podcast, and my best friend Chris and I have a friend series on it. Um, I can remember things. I can remember where I was living, like so specifically, and I can remember things so specifically that I literally pull up a, a memory in my mind and I hit the play button, and it's like I'm sitting in that memory. So absolutely, but I don't, I don't want to share your story. I, I want, I definitely want to let you t tell it. So, but go ahead. So we're, so we've gotten to that point. You're overseas and you're touring, and yeah, man, I, let's hear it, bro. Well, so what ended up, so that that meeting that I had, that publishing meeting that I had basically at that same time that I'm going through all of that I'm also in the process of, of losing my marriage that's okay. what you're talking about right yes is that what you're talking about yes okay alright good yes. so we on the same page yeah so so basically I'm literally about to lose my marriage I'm playing arenas I'm literally me and me and Madge um I think it was probably like a month or two before that we're in Amsterdam like playing in front of like 40,000 people like crazy all this stuff yeah and when I was in Europe basically I started hearing that voice like yo it's time for you to basically put all of this down and it's time for you to go home like you gotta leave all of this behind and and literally um, I, I did nothing at first I did nothing at first so then I was out playing, um, you know, Woman of Faith had like a teenage version called Revolve. Okay. Right. So okay. I was on that with, I was on that with KJ. We were playing arenas and, um, literally do. So I'm, I'm on one side of the stage. There's, this is in, I think Sacramento is like 30,000 people. Yes. So I'm on one side of the stage. Um, I come out. And I sit at my keyboard and I'm like, yo, this is what I would hear every time was, see, your wife telling you you're crazy and that, that um, this and that and the other, but look who's crazy. Look where God has you and look where God has her. Wow. And that was, that was how I was, that's how I was um, rationalizing it. Cause I had already heard that like, yo, it's time to put all of this down and go home. So I'm literally, um, that one day I'm on one side of the stage um, hyping up the crowd and Rich my, the bass players on the other side hyping the crowd up and I'm hearing that again like man look what God has you look what he has you doing and then it, it hit me again like listen I'm out of it you need this time to go home like you're done go home put all of this away you know what I'm saying like this ain't me I'm not talking to you telling you look where I got you right like, That's, you're you hearing like, a different voice. Yeah, exactly. So the whole thing was always, 
the one thing that I've always prided myself is in being able to say anything cool that I did in music or touring or anything, I can only say that it's a God thing because of how I got there. Right. But then the thing was, it started being, I don't got you here anymore. Now you getting yourself here. Right. Now you ain't under my umbrella anymore, right? Like you're right. Not, yeah. Right. Right. Go home. Go home. Go home. So eventually, that's what I did. I put everything down and I went and got me a job waiting tables, bro. And I don't know if I told you this. I can't remember if I told you this part or not, but basically, bro, I, God humbled me like never before. Like I had to wait on the same people that were doing me wrong and doing a bunch of stuff. I had to wait on them, bro. I had to serve them food. Wow. Talk about humility. And yeah, and I'm like, and I'm literally, bro, I was at Pia Chang's like, God, all right, cool, cool. You told me to step down. You told me to get away. I, I did exactly what you asked me to do. Now you want me to wait on these people hand and foot? Wow. God's like, yeah, that's what you wanted to do. That's crazy. <laughs> Even thinking about it now, I'm getting chills and I'm getting kind of like shaky because I remember that feeling of like, yo, man, like, God, you, you a trip. Now I gotta wait on these people, and it wasn't once. I had to do it several times. I was working at a PF chain, right? Literally right down the street from from Goatee Records, bro. <laughs> wow! And here you are, here you are, an artist that like a year or two before this, like you're touring, playing arenas, playing like selling out shows, man. Like you got autograph sessions, you got people trying to grab on you, and now, you, you know, now you're having to bring people like refills of their drinks and take orders and. And it's the same people that, you know, you maybe at one point you were like in good with, but then things started to change and people started to, you know, things started to get different. And now, but now you're having to serve them and stay humble, man. That's, that's a true humility story, Pete, to be honest, bro. Like, holy cow. And so, and this was, okay. So what year was that, that you were like, you came home? That was always. So you were... You were touring the world. You were in Amsterdam. God said, go home. You want to save your marriage? Go home. You're done with this. The season is over. You jump yep. on a flight. You come home. You realize, okay, the reality of it is I still got to provide for my family. So the humility that God brought you down to the the humble point was you start serving, man. So, okay, so at what point did you start taking up photography and, and what like when did the career change happen again for you so when I was um, when I was uh, and I'm still I'm still producing and I'm still doing all that but on my terms right just put that out there you know what I mean it's on my terms which is beautiful but I was um, yeah I was I was uh, touring with KJ it was our first year doing uh, Revolve and this was right when my marriage was kind of falling apart my wife had bought me a camera because I went to go work on a Nickelodeon thing and the the guy that was producing the Nickelodeon thing, I was just there, um, I was recording some vocals, doing some programming. He had a bunch of cameras laying around in the studio and I'm like, yo man, you know, I love photography but um, I'm probably no good at it and not, you know, I don't have a camera. So I said, I got these pictures I took with my little one click. Like, man, I know I'm probably being annoying right now, but can I send you some and tell me what you think? So that night he hit me back after I had sent him some pictures from my little point and click. And he said, 
He said uh, two words. Oh, and this is what the email said. Literally, it said two words. Buy camera. So I was like, all right, cool. So I showed the email to my wife, and she was like, all right, well, you know, that's cool. And um, I was on the road, and my wife had actually come out to see me. I think it was, um, can't remember what city it was in, but she came out to see me, and she had bought me the camera for Christmas. So basically, for the for the year and a half left that I was touring, um, what I would do is, instead of staying in the venue playing, you know, Madden or, you know, chilling, I would basically, whatever city was we was in, I would just walk the city and I would take pictures. Okay. So, you know, it kind of started like that, and little by little, people on the tour started like, yo, man, you mind taking some shots while I'm performing? So it was like that, and it just kind of grew into this, to this thing. And, um, yeah, that's how that started, man. Crazy. And then my brother, Chico, um, fast forward a little bit, ended up working at, he went from Goatee to Integrity. And um, wow. he was hi- he was hiring me there to, to shoot stuff at Integrity. And I ended up working on a record that won a Latin Grammy. So I'm Latin Grammy certified. I'm Grammy certified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Shout out, brother. That's awesome. That... Bro, and you know, it's Madness. funny. It, you know what's funny about winning a Grammy, right? Like, and I've never even been nominated, but I can say that, um, you know, the height of accomplishment in music, right, is is winning a Grammy or winning that award, right? At least for some people, right? And and it, it I'll say this in all humility, you know, winning an award for anything that I've done successfully, right? Whether it's an attaboy or, you know, a free lunch or yeah, I mean, you know, an award. It, it's funny because, you know, talking with people about success because one person's idea of success is not the same as somebody else. Now, granted that, you know, we, I'm sure we could all, you know, agree on things in terms that are, we, we deem to be successful. But I remember when I released my first single back in 2016, and I remember thinking to myself, because I've been wanting, I've wanted to be a musician my whole life. I grew up in church. I, I, you know, I grew up singing in church and, you know, that was always something I wanted to do. And then, you know, when I saw, the first time I saw DC talk with Michael W. Smith and I saw, you know, bone and coffee and, and my man Juan Otero, you know, tearing it up. I wanted to be a choreographer, but I'm a big dude. So when I hit my growth spurt at 12, like being a choreographer was not something that, you know, really was going to play out for me just cause you know, I was a loafus kind of, you know, I wasn't quick and light on my feet anymore. So, but being a musician has always been a dream of mine. And, you know, and not not the idea of, you know, being, you know, rich or famous or any of that, but getting on stage and having that presence where what you do, people are, you know, they're intrigued in what you're doing, but then you have an opportunity to, um, you know, pour into them. And, you know, yeah. you can do things that change their perception of life. And when I released, released my first single in, in 16 and I put it on TuneCore and all that, and I remember the first time I went on there and I started looking at the different buttons and one of the buttons, it says countries, right? Like where your music's been played. Mm. And I clicked on it and there was like three pages of, of like countries around the world that, you know, one stream here, four streams there. It wasn't like it was, you know, lots of streams, but you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going somebody in Istanbul, somebody in Japan has heard something that I sat down in my, my trailer, you know, my single wide trailer when I was, you know, 
broken in college writing and they actually heard this song and to me that was like that was successful and i know that a lot of people are like oh well did you make any money off it? it's like yeah no i actually paid more than i actually made on it but to me that was successful but to hear your story man from when you were 12 and you know doing the new york thing and and then you know you're back and forth in nashville and la and like that's like um one of those dream kind of like stories where you're like man i want your life right and and i say that respectfully like i want to be able to do that but i could probably almost guarantee that you're going to be like chav there was a lot of valleys as well as peaks during that time and you know we we could probably sit here for a week and i mean if we were to break it down but like but just hearing the success and hearing you know all this time you know god said look this is a season i have for you and now the season's over and so here we are 2023 and uh you're on your own terms, man. What are you doing? What, like, what's your, uh, what's your uh, goal this year? What, what are you doing? So I'm actually, funny enough, I'm finishing up a liquid EP. Believe it or not. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm just kind of like. Uh, the first, the album was called uh, the Goatee Joint was called uh, Stories from the Badlands, and then this one's just called Chapter Two. But I'm gonna put out three songs. Um, I've been working on them for a while, but I keep going back and forth. Like, I have this insecurity where I'm like, ah, I don't want to do it. But um, I'm going to put them out. It's going to be free. I mean, if anybody wants to, whatever. But I'm basically just going to put it on all the streaming sites. And uh, I'm actually, dude, for the last year, 10 years, I've been an audio production uh, teacher at a high school here in Nashville. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Um and actually, we have a YouTube channel where I teach Logic Pro X, and I'm teaching. So basically, the way I teach in my classes, everything is is done by tutorials. So when my kids come in, we usually talk for like 10, 15 minutes. And then they go to the YouTube page, and all their lessons are on there pretty much. But if anybody wants to check that out, it's, um, it's McGavick Audio at YouTube. And um, yeah, man, that's what we've been doing, just teaching young people. Um, audio production and, and yo here's a funny story so my second year no my third year teaching um i'm meeting my new students and i have a student she's like yeah my dad's a drummer and i'm like oh okay that's cool and she's like he was in a, a rock band a christian rock band so i get curious and i'm like oh, okay boy. so i'm like who's your dad and she was like he was in a, a group called petra oh louis arms or no louis uh was it louis it was um, what would, uh, that's Nikki. What's her last name? Oh, now all of a sudden I can't. Remember. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the drummer for Petra. Um, blonde dude. Right? Yeah. Yep. I think it was Pet. Yeah, it was Petra. Yep. Um, yep. Why can't I remember her name? Anyway, long story short. Um, yeah, it turns out her dad is the drummer. So I'm like, no way. So I ended up uh, texting my man Jamie Davis, and I'm like, bro, is the the uh, uh, Weaver's his last name. Yeah, Lewis Weaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah so man. I text Jamie, I text Jamie, and I'm like, "Yo, I have this student named Mickey Weaver. She says her dad is the drummer for Petra." And he's like, "Who? This guy sends me back a picture." I'm like, "Yep, that's him. <laughs> that's him. Yep." <laughs> so, uh, so years later, I ended up teaching uh, her her his daughter uh, audio production for three years. That's amazing, so that's my, Yeah, my my main focus right now, bro. God has me doing the teacher thing and um 
I'm still doing photography and I'm still doing records here and there, but my main main thing that God has me doing right now is just um, teaching young people audio production, brother. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome, bro. And, and uh, you know what's funny is um, when it comes to artistry, right? I um, and I, I when I was 18, 19 years old, man, I was working with a rock band, and that's how I started working with them. Was just you know the pitfalls of live sound. I didn't know a thing about live sound other than it, what sounded good and what didn't. And so, you know, coming up in the uh, hard knocks of getting screamed at from the stage because something wasn't loud enough or too loud or the feedback or whatever. Um, but, you know, God has given me that opportunity, too. And so hearing that and, you know, that's amazing that, you know, you're still after all these years, man, you've just kind of evolved into doing different things with different feathers in your cap. So you've got, you know, the music, you've got the production, you've got, you know, the understanding of how a record deal works. You know, you've gotten the chance to tour. And I mean, that's a well-rounded career, bro. That's I mean, that's amazing, brother. Thank you, man. So I. I need, I need to I need to tell myself that more because sometimes it's easy to forget where you've come from you know what I mean that's yeah. the toughest thing sometimes you're absolutely right and that and, and the, the fact that you were a waiter I mean you talk about true humility man like that oh dude that's um bro that's let crazy. me paint a picture not to cut you off let me paint a picture you're good real quick. you're good so literally bro I get this job at PF Chang um and the first person, like in a series of industry people, I ended up having to wait on that I knew. I had to wait on a guy that I hired pretty much to work, to play guitar on like eight records I worked on. Oh. So I, I walk up to the table and I introduce myself and he looked up. Bro, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. He couldn't believe it. Because here like, you are serving him and you hired him. Yeah, bro, I'm probably in... In three years, I probably paid the guy three, four grand just in session, bro. Wow. So he literally, I thought he was going to, bro, when I tell you, I thought he was going to have, like, a heart. He looked at me, bro, and he froze. He was like, wait a minute, what? And then he goes, what, are you you guys shooting something? What's going, like, he literally thought. Oh, he thought it was like a music video or something. Like, you were playing a role or something. You're like, nah, man, yeah. I'm paying my bills, bro. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, like, three years later, I, I run into him, and he's like, dude, I'm done. And I'm like, oh, well, now you know why I would have <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> you and, see and, why and, I quit, and I, yeah. And I, and I ran into him, like, 10 years after. Like, I saw him, the, the last time I saw him, we were having that conversation of, it's time to move on. And then I see him 10 years later, and guess where he's working? He's I'm at the Apple store buying my wife a laptop, and he's he comes over like, "Hey man, how you doing?" And, and I look at him and I go, "Yo, same yo. dude." Like I'm looking at him. He didn't recognize me because um, I don't have any hair anymore. <laughs> 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 so he was like, "Oh crap, dude!" And you know, we hugged it out or whatever. Sure. He's kind of laughing. We're laughing about it. He goes, "Man, this is what he says to me." Um, he so he shows me the laptop, and as I'm leaving, he goes, "Hey man." Um, Dude, thank you for not having the heart attack face. <laughs> <laughs> like so surprised. You're like, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Rewind, son. Yeah. Yeah, man. Exactly. Because he did that to me. I was like, nah, bro, I wouldn't do that to you. He's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry, but thank you for not doing it. I'm like, nah, do I get it? And the guy's as happy as can be. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, and 
it's the same conversation. It's exactly what you just said. I'm telling my students all the time. It's like, look, man, success is isn't about what people put on you to be success. You decide where you're successful. And like, you know, I did a long um, to go back for a second. I ended up saving my marriage. And bro, when I tell you, we were I wasn't even living in my house. I didn't live in my house for like eight months. Wow. I was separate. I was separated from my wife and we were about to like the paperwork, everything was drawn up. So because I did what I was supposed to do, which was give up because that's the problem, man. A lot of musicians and, and people in that world, they don't know how to give up that, you know, that thing. And that thing is, you know, it's like that saying the road to hell is paid with good intention. It's the same thing, but a lot of people are blinded by that. Man, look what God has me. And it's like, nah, bro, God been telling you to go home for like a year and a half. And and if you ask me, the way I see things, if you if when God says move, if you don't move, look what happened to Jonah. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to wake up in my 50s and be like, yo, I literally sacrificed my marriage just to be on a freaking tour bus and now nobody cares and that's what it is yeah wow and i didn't want i didn't want that you know what i mean right wow crazy brother all right man i'm I'm almost out of time but i always like to ask two questions at the end of uh the conversation The the first question is is what is the biggest audience of people that you've gotten to perform in front of in your career Man, that's tricky. Um, I would say probably Sacramento. Okay. Because yeah, that's that stadium, um, that arena. I mean, I think the second, first time we played it was definitely thirty. Second time, I believe it was forty thousand. Wow. And when we played Eindhoven, which is in the Netherlands, that was like I think thirty-five thousand plus. So I actually, yeah, I think it might have been the Netherlands because they couldn't. It was a festival, so you know they they estimated it at that um, thirty five thousand plus, but it could have been more. Oh man, I mean, it, dude, thirty five people at a show. Like, I mean, I, right. I mean, you know what exactly. I mean. Like, I hate to say that in a in such a minimal you know mindset or trivial mindset, but thirty five thousand people when you look out and it's just like all you see is just like a mass of humanity, like that. Oh, bro. Okay, okay. I gotta I gotta just compose myself because <laughs> just hearing that, man, it's just so awesome, dude. Because again, like you know, w- people measure success differently, and you know, people have different motives for why they do things in any kind of you know business and life and everything else so um, you know my thing is and I always tell people this is I've always wanted to be on a tour bus and be in one city one night and the next day wake up and be in a different city and you know and do that over and over again but that's you know one of those things but okay so second and last question is this what is the most what is your most favorite venue of all the venues in all the time you've ever toured and played shows that you have ever played in what is your most favorite venue okay so i'm not gonna say the arenas because those are too obvious right i'm gonna go with there's a they used to, I, I don't know if it's still there but there was a there was a um a club in Minneapolis. It was like um, Christian-owned, but it was a club called Three Degrees, and it was a really nice venue. Held like I think 400 people max. But dude, we played there three times, and they treated us like royalty. I'm talking about 
like four hours before the show they had masseuse show up two barbers um chef like the whole nine yards so anytime three degrees was on the schedule it was like it was party time bro <laughs> they literally treated us like king that's awesome and you said minneapolis so the heart of the midwest that's dope man that's yeah, dope. It was in right. It was in downtown Minneapolis, like snap dab in the middle of, of downtown Minneapolis. Bro. Wow, dude, that's yeah. awesome. I, I love to hear that, man. I love to hear the different venues that people have gotten to experience. And you know, it's funny is you know some people you know they give up some of the obvious, like you said, the arenas and stuff like that. But you know, when you remember a specific place, and and that's just yeah, that's awesome. So. Well, brother man, that was an amazing story, and I am excited to share it with my audience because, um, dude, I again, I'm in awe, and and I, I want to say this too. What was cool about that night that I met you, and I tell my son this too, is the the during the conversation that we had backstage. Um, you know, I'm sitting there, I hadn't eaten all day, man. And I was so hungry and, you know, and we're just sitting there chopping it up, but you were humble the entire time and you weren't like, you weren't dropping names and being, you know, all bougie about it, man. You were just like, yeah, man, this is my life and this is what I did. And I mean, you didn't even share like 90% of what you just shared with me tonight that day. You just gave me kind of the, you're like, yep, did this, did that. And then here I am. And what I f- remember about that so that night so vividly too is that um, our my friend Tracy Scares, um, she was our production manager for the, the clothing line that we were there to, to promote that day. Um, she had a right. VIP ticket to that room that had like the, all the good, like the hot wings and the <laughs> cookies and stuff. And I said, hey, I don't have a, I have an all access pass, but I can't get into the tour food area where they serve the tour food. She's like, oh, use this pass. This will get you into the VIP room. So she gives it to me and I go in there and I'm standing there in awe because there's like mountains of hot wings and cookies and chips and everything else. (laughs) And I'm standing there and this is like 10 minutes after you and I just had this conversation. And I, I hear this guy talking to this other guy. And as they're talking... The one guy says, yeah, man, yeah, Joey, blah, 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 blah. And I stop in mid-bite of my cookie because I'm standing there like stuffing cookies in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? I, I got like tinfoil for the wings. Like I'm, I'm, I'm saving food for later, bro. I'm like this homeless dude, right, <laughs> trying to get my fix because I ain't eating all day. And I hear the, the name Joey. So I look over and this cat's down there, man. He's, you know, he's drinking, he's sipping on a Pepsi and, you know, he's eating some chips. And, and I, I casually kind of slide over to the table and I'm like, hey, man, are you Joey Elwood? He's like, yeah, yeah, man, what's up? And he gives me knuckles. I was like, are you for real? And he was like, yeah. And I had to check my fanboy right there, right? Because, you know, I had met um, in 2006, I got to meet Todd Collins and Troy Collins um, in Franklin. And I had okay. to, I had to check my, I had to check my, my fanboy then too. Cause when, you know, if, if you listen to the free at last record, man, Todd Collins is all over that record. Right. And then, okay. you know, beat Mark comes out, you know, with Troy and Todd and all them cats. And, um, so yeah, same thing with Joey, man. So I'm standing there and he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh bro. And you know, I'm like, oh, you know, and so we, you know, I chop it up with him. And like I said, you know, I had to keep my fanboy in check, but bro, like you and I had literally just had a conversation out in the hallway. And you're telling me how, you know, you kind of, you know, you were on tour and you came home and, and, you know, and you know how Goatee put you on. And I'm like, here's, here's one of the co-founders of uh, one of my, you know, at the time, like one of my favorite, you know, 
record labels because a lot of the artists most of the artists on the on the goatee you know back in the day man i dude i wear their records out bro you know what i mean so it was just it, it, it was so cool man so but here we are 23 man and, and you're getting ready to put out some new music under liquid beats do you have a website that people can go to and find it like how do we find pictures of you man how how do we get some eyes on you bro like what, what's the deal so right now i'm re like liquid the artist doesn't have like um social media or anything but uh if you if basically if people go to my photography instagram it's uh victor photog v-i-c-t-o-r-p-h-o-t-o-g i'm gonna be making i'm gonna be making like official like record announcements there so anybody um yeah if if people want to go and check out the, the photography instagram follow me on there if you got any questions please man hit me up i love talking to people as trav just mentioned so yeah that's it man and eventually i'll make the i'll make the official announcement on on that instagram and and uh yeah i'm working on building up the liquid thing right now it's just been a while so and i gotta get over my insecurities i'm still being a baby about a lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) 30 years in man you're still like man i'm I'm still human bro i still yep still learning and growing which is amazing because a lot of people that think they've you know they've they've traversed the mountaintop bro and you know they get to the top or they get to a certain level and they're like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to learn nothing else. But to hear you say that man is humbling. Cause I mean, I think as long as we stay students in whatever we do, I think we're always going to be able to grow and, and learn new things, you know? Yep. It's important, man. For sure, brother. Well, brother, I am, again, I am so humbled to get you on and hear all these awesome stories, man. I love these, bro. I could, I could seriously, (laughs) I could pick your brain for like a week, but I am out of time. And, and, uh, so let's, um, yeah, man, let's stay connected, bro. And like I said, you know, I would love to see you come through Colorado, man, do a show. If you, if you start touring again, or if you start doing music, you know, outside of Nashville, bro, I I will definitely be, um, I'll be in the front row, bro. Jumping up and down, man, for sure. I like it. I like it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I am truly honored that you came on and talked with me tonight, man. So you can find Victor. I can't say your last name, man. How do you uh, pronounce your last name again, bro? Oh, Photog. So P-H-O-T-O-G, like photographer. Photog. Victor Photog. Go go like him. Go follow him. Go let him know that uh, you want to see him live so he can start getting out there again. But uh, blessings to you, brother man. And for those that are listening, until next time.